Hey, I'm Casey. And I'm Lauren. And this is... Magnum B.I., the true crime podcast where we add a little bit of social justice commentary, a little bit of comedy, and resources. Because this week, we've lost a lot of human rights. It was bad. It was really fucking bad. So, unless you've been living under a rock, Roe v. Wade has been overturned, Mm -hmm. which is um, (laughs) really, really, really scary. Um, especially because a lot of the Supreme Court justices who were appointed um, were appointed by people that lost the popular vote, mm-hmm. <laughs> lied about their beliefs to get appointed into office, and don't have any medical qualifications, and are simply doing this on the basis of instating a Christian theocracy. Yep. <laughs> so And or are men. And are men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's, there was one... One woman. What is her fucking name? I don't know. But her credit card <laughs> number got leaked, so that's a plus. <laughs> yeah, there have been a lot of people doxing them, which I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I'm on board for. I, I think it's pretty 100%, badass. Yeah. Because I'm just so appalled at the state of the entire world, especially this past week. It's terrifying, especially the one guy. Well, I think it was Alito that was saying that um, Roe v. Wade was just the beginning and they're going to use this ruling to overturn um, same-sex marriage yep. and get rid of, like, um, like basic privacy laws that prevent the government from, like, knowing your medical records yep. and contraceptives. And it's just it's just the beginning. It's terrifying. It's really, really scary. Yep. Um, and if you follow us on Instagram, you saw our post about it. But yep. Obviously, this is deeper than being pro-life. This is, like Lauren said, this is about control. This is about power. This Mm -hmm. is about controlling women and people of color and low-income people and keeping them oppressed. Mm -hmm. Um, It's terrifying. We've been in horrible moods (laughs) since it happened. (laughs) Um, We currently are re-recording just the intro portion of this podcast because we had originally recorded the intro (laughs) before... Roe v. Wade was overturned, yeah. and we <laughs> were originally talking about furry culture, yeah. um, <laughs> and decided that was tone deaf. <laughs> yeah, so we're back re-recording the introduction, and um, we're going to compile some resources to put in the description of the YouTube video and the podcast. Um, I think I want to add a little widget for Planned Parenthood and some BIPOC abortion funds in our little um, link tree on Instagram. So feel free to check those out and make a donation. Um, I think I'm going to be donating at least five bucks because that's simply the right thing to do. For sure, yeah. Um, And yeah, just make sure that you know, going forward, you're listening to what's going on Mm -hmm. on like TikTok and other unbiased media sources because I don't... I don't know. I don't think the media is really doing this justice right now. You need to kind of be on ground zero with protesters and listening to people of color that have smaller um, platforms and other community outreach programs to really understand the gravity of this situation. Yep, and listening to people who have less access to abortion during Mm -hmm. this whole thing. I mean, like, just think about Illinois, for instance. All of the states surrounding Illinois in the Midwest are going to overturn abortion. Yep. Um... It's just terrifying. It's so scary. Mm-hmm. Um, please be keeping yourself informed. Please mm-hmm. be listening. Please be protesting and mm-hmm. donating. Don't mm-hmm. donate to fucking politicians. Nope. No, not even a Democratic politician needs no. your money right now, nor no. should they use this as an excuse to to rally yep. monetary support. Yep. Um, so just keep yourself informed. It's really fucking scary. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you if you have family in the Midwest or the South, make sure you're checking up on them, reaching out to them. Um, if they know of any community 
community spaces that need more donations or anything, feel free to send a link to our our email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at gmail.com or yeah. something like that. We'll link that below um, and we'll plug it next episode. So today's just been a day. Today's been a day. The <laughs> second half of this episode will be, for those of you listening on YouTube, will will have a video component mm-hmm. that we pre-recorded. Um, yep. Like I said, we just thought that we should re-record this intro given everything that happened. Yep. Um, in other news, um, Lauren's rats are sick. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure my one rat moose has an upper respiratory infection. He's just been not acting like himself and been a little under the weather. So uh, currently, <laughs> they have a little um, nebulizer set up next to their cage, and I've been giving them garlic and lots of TLC and steaming them because um, I can't afford to go to the vet without a job. So yeah. we're doing home remedies and we're trying to make sure that they're comfy and doing okay they're definitely a lot better than they were yesterday but i fully uh freaked out <laughs> they are they are living the life right now though they i'm looking at their their huge cage right now and they have a fan blowing they have a nebulizer going they have two water things yep. they are just chunky happy boys mm-hmm. and they're going to the vet in like a month yep i have a vet appointment that i had set up already because i wanted to do a six-month check-in Um, And then yesterday, right before my lab practical for my anatomy and physiology course, I realized that one of my rats was really sick. So that just completely uh, fucked me up. (laughs) Yeah. Completely. Yeah. But they're doing a lot better now. They seem to be acting more like themselves. We're just going to pamper them and take care of them until I can scrape the funds together to take them to the vet. (laughs) And you're a good rat mom. You take good care of them. I'm trying. I really do. They're they're my babies. They're her babies. (laughs) They're my babies. And then this morning... Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) This is is tangentially why we don't have a video. Yeah. Well, we intended on re-recording a video component as well, but I woke up... First of all, I woke up really late. Yep. Slept in. Yep. Secondly, I woke up <laughs> and I get a text that says, hey, so there's a, so the power line outside your apartment is on fire. <laughs> so you should evacuate the building. And yep. I was like, okay. Yep. So then I tried to evacuate the building and there were a bunch of firemen in my parking lot mm-hmm. and, and they looked at me and they were like, hey, don't go there. And then they caution taped off my parking lot. I uh-huh. don't have access to my car. Uh-huh. My apartment smells like smoke. Yep. I have power and then I don't have power and then I have power. So like first world problem, but <laughs> my apartment smells like a Bunsen burner and uh-huh. I can't get to my car. Yep. So the reason why we don't have a video component is because usually we film the video in my apartment yep. and didn't know how to get Lauren in. <laughs> And or if it's safe to be in there. Yep. So it's just, it's been a day. People in this country, over 50% of this country doesn't have secure access to bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a, it's really a time to be alive. It surely it's is. It's really a time to be alive. It so. really is. Um, I, I don't remember if I mentioned in a past episode or if it was just something we had been talking about, but... Um, <laughs> a little resource that I have partaken in 
is I have joined the Satanic Temple <laughs> because um, the main tenets of their <laughs> quote unquote religion is to make sure that every single person has a right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness within the confines of making sure that you have autonomy over your own personhood, yeah. which is a basic human right. Mm-hmm. So as soon as the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, I was like, I've been thinking about this for a hot minute because they donate to a lot of really good causes. Um, they make sure to protect everybody's bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I think it's really funny that, like, <laughs> basically the Christian equivalent of the flying spaghetti monster <laughs> yeah, now yeah, has yeah. its own organized tax-exempt religion that is basically doing all the same things the Christian church is doing, but a hundred times better. Yep. And, you know, being able to have my rights protected at the same time is pretty good. Yep, so I agree with I you. I have my little certificate coming in the mail soon, and you know what? Fuck the government. Fuck I'm gonna the government. Say it. <laughs> it's awesome. Fuck the it's, government. And like, if, if anyone watching, listening doesn't know about the Satanic Church, you mm-hmm. should really read about it. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's any of the preconceived notions that you have about what the Satanic Church stands for are mm-hmm. probably wrong. Yeah. Unless you're informed. So it's really interesting. Yep. There's a lot of, like, propaganda, of course, that's been created by, like, you know, the original Christian theological religions against it. Because what they're doing is completely oppositional to everything that the Christian Church does, where they, you know, believe in human rights. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... In, like, the actual, um, I don't know if there's a book of scripture, there probably is, but, like, on the homepage of their website, they talk about how it's, like, basically a satirical take on organized religion and is just, like, a human rights campaign that is using the facade of Satan as, you know, a figurehead for yeah. everything that is anti-Christian extremism, mm-hmm. which I think is really, really it's funny. It's awesome. Lauren's so. not about to go, like, human sacrifice somebody, like... Well, yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, we didn't have to say it on the pod, though. Yeah, That's... yeah. <laughs> I'll keep that to myself for later. But, yeah, I'm sure um, if slash when I tell my grandma about this, she'll have a lot of fun things to say. So. Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving is going to be... Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So... so please just hang in there. Find people who you can get support from. Support mm-hmm. people who you need to support. Um do direct action, yes. give money to abortion funds, look yep. at our link tree, look at the description of this video. Yep. Um, listen to people, read theory. Yes. Just, yeah, it's yep. this tough time. But. Yep. And don't be afraid to be upset. You know, yeah. I think something that a lot of um, people that are comfortable saying, I disagree with either side, um, are willing to admit what's the word I'm looking for? They just simply don't want to like hear things they don't necessarily agree with. Mm -hmm. So if anything about the pro-choice movement makes you like feel upset, question why that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the whole point of it is that everybody can do what they want, not, you know, you can do something, but another person can't. So don't be afraid to be upset and challenge your preconceived beliefs. Be pissed. Listen to women. Listen to women. It's that easy. Yep. So we have a really good episode queued up for you after this. I know this intro was kind of heavy, but again, uh, check the links in our description for some funds you can support Mm -hmm. and hang in there, guys. Hang in there, guys. Um, This week, uh, pre-recorded episode, we recorded this before, obviously, like we said before, Roe v. Wade was overturned, Um, but it's a case I've been interested in in a very long time. Um, it's a case of scheming and frauding and the down the downsides of Silicon Valley culture. 
Um, this week, we're going to be talking about Elizabeth Holmes and the total disaster that was Theranos. Let's get into it. So, before we talk about the disaster that was Theranos, um, I want to unpack Silicon Valley a little bit (laughs) (laughs) in the most concise way humanly possible. Yeah. Um, So, Silicon Valley is a region in Northern California um, located in the southern part of the San Francisco Bay Area. It's known for being a hub for high tech and innovation. Um, The area has the third highest GDP per capita in the world. Whoa. So it's very wealthy. Yeah. Um, unemployment is very low. There's a very high cost of living. Most people are employed in the private sector and or big tech companies. Yeah. Um, it's the home to tech giants such as Apple, Twitter, Facebook, Google, and Adobe, just to name a few of so many. Mm-hmm. And there are thousands and thousands of startups that are being built, changed, you know, conglomerated every day wow um because of this startup culture silicon valley is referred to as the valley of dreams oh what a lovely name it's in theory yeah great oh yeah like of course it's uh, synonymous with the whole fantasy of the american dream yes sugar-coated on the outside a little icky on the inside yes I think. very very and what that's becoming and yeah mm-hmm. um so you know, I love to start my episode with an itemized list of facets about <laughs> something. Let's <laughs> Sociologist Casey has outlined three elements which allowed Silicon Valley to become a hub for high-tech innovation. Take it away, Sociologist Casey. Thank you. <laughs> um, this list is really elementary and simplified, but um, I think this, this outline I sort of have to lay for my take on this story. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Three things which allowed Silicon Valley to become a hub for high tech. Mm-hmm. One, the Cold War and military innovation. Mm-hmm. So during the Cold War, um, and particularly during McCarthyism, which we've talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked about that a whole bunch a in whole our, bunch. what was it, the preschool episode? Yeah, and the Salem episode and to an it. extent. Oh yeah, yeah. yep. Um, during the Cold War, the U.S. military wanted to see how tech could be used for defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but given that the whole point of the Cold War was to fight against communism, mm-hmm. um, the U.S. government couldn't really politically support the funding of huge internal tech research. Right. So because they were sort of anti-big government in that way, they weren't going to be like, hey, we're going to fund internal government research. Yeah. Um So they came up with the idea of decentralizing the growth of tech, and instead they financially supported research and development within the private sector. Okay. So in the 1950s, the government began funding companies and universities in the Valley Mm -hmm. so that they could look at how tech could be used in the military. Okay. Um, With this, a tech economy grew around Stanford University, which is located in Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. and many students or alumni of Stanford eventually began working on personal computers and personal software, um, which took the focus of Silicon Valley away from government-funded paramilitary operations 
Um, but then these imperial roots are still built into the DNA. Right. So it's like these people grew up in the vein of we're, we're looking at how tech can be used for the military. Mm-hmm. And then eventually moved away from that mm-hmm. into more like personal individual things. Mm-hmm. But it's still there. Yeah. It's why sure. they were there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, two, venture capital. So venture capital emerged in Silicon Valley in the early 1970s mm-hmm. um, when firms started doling out seed money to startups with big dreams of big innovations. So mm-hmm. think like Shark Tank. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Um, investors would be like, hey, I have money. You have an interesting idea. I'm going to take equity of your company and give you money so that you can do your thing. Do you ever watch Shark Tank? I love, I've seen every episode of Shark Tank oh, three times. Oh my god. What is your favorite invention from Shark Tank? Um, my favorite invention from Shark Tank? There was one season two where uh-huh. a guy proposed that they... He had a Bluetooth thing that mm-hmm. you had to get surgically implanted in your ear. What? And they were all like laughed him out of the tank and like <gasps> it was stupid, but... Wait, when was that filmed? 20... 2010, 11. Damn. If he had gone on the show like this year they'd probably be like you know what this could be viable oh mark cuban would buy the hell out of that absolutely and then we would see like the apple chip next year (laughs) (laughs) you would snatch that idea so they call it like the brain wave yeah literally apple brain wave coming 2029 but wave is spelled like w-a-v oh of course the i wave we (gasps) have the i wave (laughs) copyrighted 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 you owe us. Um, my personal favorite has to be Scrub Daddy. Yeah. Because, come on, that's a classic. The way that's... Because Ring, like yeah. Ring Doorbells is from Shark Tank. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, shit. And that's like a huge company. But the way that a freaking sponge made more than something that like changed personal security. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's a cool... It's a cool sponge. This is now an ad for Scrub Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsor us. Please. Yes, please. Um... So in the okay, going back. <laughs> Sorry to derail. <laughs> what do you think about furries? Um, <laughs> now that is a cold open. <laughs> that's the third part point on my list. What do you think about Lauren? What do you think about? What furries? do you say? The rest of the episode is just good. <laughs> you know what? I actually have some scathing opinions. <laughs> it's a bad history. Yes. Um, so in 1980, yep. after Apple's massive massive success. Mm-hmm. Um, Seed funding of startups proved to be really lucrative for both investors and for those with the grand ideas. Yeah. So Silicon Valley became home to the largest concentration of venture capital firms in the world. Right. So the largest concentration of of this type of investment. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of money still available for young people that have really lofty goals. And three, Stanford University. So as I talked about earlier... A big player in this Valley of Dreams is Stanford University. Mm -hmm. Stanford is partially responsible for fostering the invention of the internet, software, personal computers, etc. Many of the things that we cannot imagine our modern lives without. Um, You could really easily make the argument that we would not be sitting on this couch recording a podcast without Stanford nurturing tech. Damn! So Stanford alone Damn. has been really, really important. That's crazy. I didn't. I didn't know they almost invented the internet. They essentially they <laughs> like fostered it. Like they like helped the students. They helped faculty. They got the grants. Like they really were a big part of the internet. <laughs> That's really cool. Really cool. Damn, I didn't know that. So Stanford. Yeah. In two thousand two, an eighteen year old girl from Washington D.C. started her freshman year at Stanford University. This girl was named Elizabeth Ann Holmes. Here we are. So Elizabeth came from a decent amount of money. 
Yeah. Um, her father was an executive who worked for a handful of different government agencies. Mm -hmm. um, and her, like, long-ago ancestors included really successful businessmen um, and a former mayor of Cincinnati. <laughs> so okay. the Holmes family, they weren't billionaires, but they, they lived very well. Yeah, they're, they're very well and off. They were comfortable. The girl went to Stanford. The girl she went, has yeah. money. She grew up in D.C. and went to Stanford. Oh, so, like, she got she money. She was fine, yeah. Yep. Um, from a very young age, Elizabeth was obsessed with business giants and she wanted to change the world. Right. She completely idolized Steve Jobs. Huh. Which will come up later. She had like an obsession with Steve Jobs. Okay. I know we've talked way too much about my dating life on this podcast, <laughs> but I think if someone said to me on a first date, I idolize Steve Jobs or like Elon Musk or something like that, red flag. But if this was a first date at Stanford, they'd be like, me too. Yeah. They'd because be like, that's the culture. They'd be like, oh my God, no way. Yeah. <laughs> they'd be like, we're in Silicon Valley. Like, your celebrity crush is Elon Musk. What a coincidence. <laughs> I had an internship at Tesla. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so while, while Elizabeth was still a senior in high school, she spent a summer at a Mandarin program in Stanford. Okay. At which she honed her um, Mandarin speaking skills. She was actually fluent in Mandarin. Wow. Um, there... So she's still a senior in high school. She's 18 at this point. Mm -hmm. um, she met a man named Sonny Balwani, who was a 37-year-old Pakistani software developer. Okay. Um, Sonny had sold his shares of a software company, which he helped to invent, for $40 million just before the dot-com bubble burst. Whoa. So he was a self-made millionaire. He was <laughs> attending Stanford at this time. He's 37. Wow. What a guy. Elizabeth found that Sonny was the only person at the program who was taking it seriously, and despite their 19-year age difference, the two became really, really close. Mm. So Elizabeth graduated high school, mm -hmm. and she moved full-time to live in Stanford and attend Stanford. Uh -huh. um, she majored in chemical engineering. Wow, smart. Yeah, at Stanford. Really fucking smart. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, in her first year, she worked her way into a chemical engineering lab, which was made up primarily of graduate students. As a freshman? As a freshman. Holy. She, like, begged and proved her way to become part of this lab. That is deeply impressive. Yep. Wow. Very. Wow. Um, she was extremely hardworking and ambitious, and she would become periodically obsessed with a new idea for, like, an innovative product. Mm -hmm. And she would go insane. She would, like, look at how to apply for patents. She would talk to people about it. She would just get these grand ideas and become mm -hmm. obsessed with them. Wow. Um, during her time at Stanford, Elizabeth was sexually assaulted at a frat party. Um, it had a really profound impact on her. She actually called the police either that night or the next morning. There's like police records of it. Mm -hmm. um, didn't f uh, file charges, but did contact the police about it. Um, and she later claimed, looking back at this, that after that happened, she wanted to... <laughs> There's a moth. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Oh, no, no. Are Can you see it? A beetle? That's a beetle, I think. Should I get it? No. Are you afraid of bugs? No. I, I let them live okay, when as, they're here. As long as it doesn't get in my hair, <laughs> it'll be okay. okay. Well, we can... Your hair looks really good right now. Oh, thank you. Um, I couldn't tell if I looked crazy or hot. You look great. I always let bugs live, to be honest. Really? I move them outside often. I am anti-bug. Well, I can get rid of it if you no, want to. No, no. He can, he can hang. Oh my god, it moved. Hello, guy. <laughs> Just as long as it doesn't touch me, it'll be okay. Okay, we can reevaluate if he does. Okay. If I make, we'll make for a good blooper. <laughs> if it flies into my face, <laughs> I'm going to scream so fucking loud. It's the ghost of the Binghamton Furries. <laughs> I'm sweating right now. Okay, it's anyway, warm. it's hot in here. All right, Woo! sorry. 
Um, so her sexual assault had a really <laughs> profound impact on her. <laughs> Not coming back at that. Ooh, okay. Um, she later claimed that looking back at the event, she wanted to, quote, kill the old Elizabeth and create a new Elizabeth. Whoa. So at Stanford, Elizabeth, who had a fear of needles, came up with a grand idea, one of her grand ideas. Mm-hmm. A blood testing machine, which could perform a variety of tests from only the prick of a finger. Okay. So instead of having to draw a whole vial of blood from a vein um, using a needle and waiting days to hear the results back, you could get answers quickly and painlessly. Hell yeah. So that's a really good idea in theory, right? Yeah, that's an excellent idea. Yeah. Like she wanted to be able to test for all kinds of things, for like herpes, for cancer, for like all types of things, quickly, painlessly with the prick of a finger. Like any kind of bloodborne illness? Essentially. Because you know how, I mean, I, I, if you are somebody who has like a chronic illness or you're recovering from something or you, you go to the doctors a lot, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of blood. That's a lot of needles. I know like we probably only do it a couple times a year, just Mm -hmm. like routinely. Yeah. But that like that'd be a lot Mm -hmm. so this could be a really great idea yeah like especially for like AIDS survivors yeah that would be an incredible resource incredible yep um so she pitched the idea to a professor of medicine named Dr. Phyllis Gardner okay Dr. Phyllis Gardner explained that it was impossible and it would never work Hmm. however Elizabeth did not back down she pitched the potential invention to her advisor um and also her advisor was also the dean of the school of engineering Dr. Channing Robertson, Mm -hmm. and he backed the idea. He liked the idea. Wow. After this, in March of 2004, so she's been at Stanford for about two years now, a little under two years, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth dropped out of Stanford, and she used the remainder of her college savings to fund her new company, which she was calling Theranos. Um, hmm. Because Bill Gates dropped out of college... Steve Jobs, question mark, don't know if this is true, dropped out of college. And he built the computer in his garage. And yeah, and they were they were billionaires, they were innovators, they changed the world, and she wanted to do the same thing. <sighs> okay. As a 21-year-old, I cannot imagine. She's 19 at this point. She's fucking 19. Yeah. And she's like, you know what I'm going to do? Yeah. I'm going to drop out of Stanford. Yeah. The place where they invented the fucking internet, and I'm going to do this on my own because I'm better than them. And use the rest of my college savings. To start a company. Wow. Yep. It, it do take balls. So the word Theranos, the name of her company, is a portmanteau of two words, therapy and diagnosis. Ooh. Um, Dr. Robertson, her former advisor in the engineering lab and the dean of the engineering school, was her first investor. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a very well-respected engineer and academic, so he brought a really high amount of credibility to the company. Um, in interviews later, Elizabeth would gr- brag about, quote, hiring the person she worked for at Stanford. Dr. Robertson intervu- introduced her to a bunch, bunch of venture capitalists that she probably wouldn't have met otherwise. Okay. That, that in and of itself is extremely impressive. However, he's not a doctor. Well, he's a doctor in the sense that he's a PhD. Yeah, but he's not a medical professional that knows how blood testing he's works. A, yeah, he's an engineer. Okay. Yeah. Okay, just clarify. And the doctor, Phyllis Gardner, the medical school doctor, Can't was like, idea. that's not going to work. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just, just, just clarify. Yep. Just clarify. Yep, yep. Okay. Um, by the end of 2010, so we're skipping forward six years, mm-hmm. Elizabeth had secured more than $92 million, $92 million in venture capital. Oh, my God. Sonny Balwani, the successful software engineer who she met at the Mandarin program, mm-hmm. um, she hired him as the COO and president of Theranos. 
um, and he oversaw the daily operations of the company. Mm-hmm. At some point during this time, not a, we're not exactly sure when because they kept it secret, but Elizabeth and Sonny entered a romantic relationship. Oh, ew. Again, he's 19 years her senior. Oh, yeah. No, ew, 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 ew. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Ew. And, and, and she's his boss, but yeah. he's 19 years older than her, yep. and he's working for her. Yep. And he has a lot more money than she does. And they're and, entwined yeah. in this extremely expensive, lucrative project. Yep. Ew. High stakes, high pressure, fast moving. He's older than her. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, the chemistry must have been crazy. This sounds like Maybe. an insane young adult novel. I think it was more of a power thing, but. Yeah, no. In July of 2011, Elizabeth was introduced to George Schultz. George Schultz is the billionaire former Secretary of State of the U.S., (laughs) and he joined the board of directors, becoming the largest investor in Theranos. Wow. So altogether, Elizabeth had pulled together a powerhouse team for Uh the board of directors. Uh The early board of directors included, and this is a non-exhaustive list, but George Schultz, former Secretary of State, Mm -hmm. William Perry, former U.S. Secretary of Defense, Sam Nunn, former U.S. Senator, Henry Kissinger, former Secretary of State. David, I don't know how to say this, Kaverich, who is the former CEO of Wells Fargo. And uh, Avi Televanian, the former Chief Software Technology Officer of Apple. It's flying. Oh, no, 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 (laughs) no. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. Spooky spooky list of venture capitalists. You want me to get it? (laughs) No, it's okay. Okay. I'm just going to keep an eye on it. Fine, I'll let it uh, That's the government. <laughs> <laughs> they sent in a spy. Yeah. <laughs> They're talking about Theranos. Furries and Theranos in one conversation. This is going to make no. one hell of a description on this episode. <laughs> yeah. Furries, Theranos, spies, bugs. Blood, fraud, and furries? <laughs> Join Casey and Lauren. <laughs> they Something. Almost there. We'll edit it in post. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. Sweating. (laughs) So, Elizabeth, with this powerhouse... Oh, yeah. She fully embraced her Steve Jobs fetish. (laughs) No! (laughs) You know what? We've we've roped... We've come back to the beginning. We're talking about weird kinky shit. (laughs) She put that on her her Tinder right out the gate. She was like, you're going to have to pretend to be Steve Jobs. I'm in an open relationship with a software engineer who's 19 years older than me, and I'm really into black turtlenecks. (laughs) Whoa. What? (laughs) Elizabeth fully embraced her Steve Jobs fetish, comma, Uh wearing a black turtleneck every day. Ew, no. Every day. Every (laughs) day. Every day. day. No. Obsessively drinking what she called her green juice. (laughs) And speaking in a deep, powerful baritone. Oh, oh wait, it's on the couch! <laughs> it's on the couch! That's it. The beetle landed. If <laughs> 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 you couldn't tell. I don't think I've ever scrumped a scream like that in a hot minute. This is why you should be watching the YouTube, everybody on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, because you, you can see us leap from the couch. Okay, we dealt with that, so. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) We're literally, like, sweating. It's, like, 100 degrees in Casey's apartment because we can't turn on the fan. The audio will get fucked up. There's bugs dive bombing us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not wearing any pants. We're fucked. We're just going crazy. Oh, my God. Benita's wearing my name tag from Red Lobster. 
Oh, you can't even you see You can't even see it. Wait, I'm moving it back. There it is. Hey, Benita. Ding. All right, back on track. <laughs> and we're back. So, um, all of this sounds great, yeah. right? Like, she's doing really well. She has this great board. She's embracing her inner Steve Jobs. She's doing great. Um, except the Theranos technology didn't work. Uh, yeah. It didn't work. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, they okay. were continually testing and running these machines, like trying these machines, mm. but they often gave incorrect or inconclusive answers or just like broke down entirely. Hmm. Um, and all of this is normal when you're inventing something. Mm-hmm. But at this point, Gurley had raised $92 million mm-hmm. and she was being dishonest to everyone, including this extremely high profile board of directors. Which, um, if we run it back, is full of a lot of senators and not a single doctor. Yeah. Which, um, <laughs> yeah. is interesting, yeah. I will say. The only, like, as I mean, as far as I know, mm-hmm. the only person with a PhD on the early board was her former advisor, but again, not a medical doctor. I mean, I have to give her credit where credit is due, because it is extremely impressive to, like, have this many, like powerful, well-revered individuals support you in this way. And she's really young. And she's so young. I'm like, I mean, I understand that the idea in itself is, like, very lucrative, but, like, I can't, like, how did she get this many people to be like, yeah, this is, this is the one. Connections, schmoozing. Money. Just being in money, being introduced to the right people. It was, so Elizabeth and Sunny routinely made everyone at the company sign NDAs, so non-disclosure agreements, whenever they toured the company or started working at the company, and the two fostered a really toxic and, like, quiet work environment. Like, you couldn't talk about Theranos outside of Theranos. Don't talk about Fight Club. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah, oh my god. Now, granted, at this point, Theranos was operating in what businesses call stealth mode, (laughs) which meant that, which is, like, a real business term apparently but it means that the company didn't have a website and they didn't do press releases so they were sort of like pre-public in a way they just had 92 million dollars and no information yes essentially Mm. it was like you you can't really like contact them or learn much about them but like they're happening and like they're gonna be big essentially Mm. um but this changed in september of 2013 when the company theranos announced that they were partnering with walgreens and they were going to launch their blood testing devices in Walgreens stores. Hmm. Um, so at the very first meeting with Walgreens executives, the Theranos machine was not working. Hmm. Um, Theron- or Elizabeth and members of her team, though not all members of her team were like on board or like cool about this, but um, they used traditional blood testing machines to simulate the results of the blood tests and then presented the results as if they were found on Theranos devices. How so, did, how, how, what, how did they do that? Yeah, I don't, I honestly don't know. Shit. Like, technologically, I don't know how they did that. That's one hell of a scam. Yeah, but they were like, Walgreens board is sitting in front of them. They have their little machine on the table. They show like, oh, it just found these results. When in actuality, those results were found from a real blood testing that was machine. like like running in the background in a closet somewhere. Yeah, in, at, in doing what every blood testing machine in the world otherwise actually does. Shit. Yeah. Oh, this girl's crafty. Yep, craft, and that that's a lie. Yeah. Like that was a lie. Yeah. Um. So after this, Theranos, when Walgreens partnered with them, 
took the fuck off. Yeah. Um, so Forbes recognized Elizabeth as the world's youngest self-made female billionaire. They <laughs> ranked her as 110 on the Forbes 400 list in 2014. Uh-huh. Elizabeth became valued at nine mil. Or no, I'm sorry. Her personally, uh, just her. Um, her personal net worth was valued at nine billion with a B dollars. Oh, <laughs> holy shit! And uh, she'd raised more than four hundred million in venture capital. Um, Theranos employed over eight hundred people. Uh-huh. Betsy DeVos, who was the Secretary of Education, question mark? Yeah, currently. Yeah. Um, she became an investor, as did the Walton family, the owners of Walmart. Huh. Um, Elizabeth and Sonny secretly bought and moved into a $9 million massive mansion in Silicon Valley. Huh. And again, their machines, which claimed to be able to run hundreds of blood tests with just the prick of a finger, could barely even run a handful of those tests. Shit. Um, and most Ooh. of the tests that could run are things you could do anyway with the prick of a finger. Like, mm. was not, like, groundbreaking technology. Yeah, no, it was something that already existed. Yep. Yep. Um, so when Theranos got into Walgreens, they would test patients at the store mm-hmm. and then sort of take the blood that they had contracted from the finger prick and secretly run the tests on bigger machines in their lab, regular, normal, big machines, <laughs> and then report back the results, which were not always accurate. Whoa. So among many others, these machines at Walgreens gave a false cancer diagnosis, <gasps> a false HIV diagnosis, told people they had diabetes. Oh my god. Yeah. It do take gall. Yeah. The audacity. Yeah, if of so- this somebody woman. literally went home and was like, I have cancer. That, you just destroyed someone's life. And I mean, granted, obviously, they would get a second opinion. They wouldn't get chemo. Yeah, actually, but, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like they, the they panic. actually have cancer. But, like, the, the, the emotional turmoil, mm-hmm. the fear. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the money. I mean, and the money. Yeah. You Realistically, you have to spend money for those tests. You have to spend money to get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, um, that's And that's not all. Theranos machines were put on military helicopters. <gasps> and they did blood tests on people with terminal cancer. Oh my god. And most most sources do say that the blood tests on the patients with terminal cancer were not used to make real medical decisions. They were just used for research. Mm-hmm. But either way, That's... they were pricking the fingers and giving false hope about the future to people with terminal cancer. That is so unbelievably unethical. Yep. That is horrifying. Yep. They <gasps> were telling these people who had cancer, like, we're going to change, like, I know you're not going to be along, around much longer, but, like, we're going to change the world. It's going to be better for your kids, like. Oh, my God. And that was fake. That's evil. Yeah. That is actually evil. She's fucked. <sighs> um, her relationship with Sonny was also not perfect. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put that out there. Yeah. Who could have seen I really, this I had to say that one. <laughs> the bee comes back and dies. <laughs> yeah, it's bigger this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they had been secretly dating essentially since they met. Mm-hmm. Um, but Elizabeth claims that Sonny routinely um, berated and sexually abused her. Oh. Um, many, many other employees at Theranos reported Sonny being manipulative, like in the workplace, not to her, but in the workplace, him being manipulative, domineering, and power hungry. Oh. Then enter a 22 year old named Tyler Schultz. Hmm. So Tyler Schultz was the grandson 
of billionaire and Theranos investor George Shultz. I thought the name sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's yeah. the yeah. grandson of their biggest investor. Um, he was a biology major at Stanford. Yep. And he was introduced to Elizabeth through his grandfather. Uh-huh. Which, of course, rich people make connections. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but he began working an internship at the company and then later um, a full-time research position. Mm-hmm. There, Tyler met a young woman named Erica Chung. Erica was a recent college graduate who was thrilled to be working at such an exciting and high-profile company. Yeah. Um, while working together, Erica and Tyler discovered that Theranos had been removing the outliers from their data. So if a data point just, like, didn't show them what they wanted to, to show them, they mm-hmm. would remove it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they discovered that they were running the Walgreens tests on secret machines in a hidden lab and not the machines at the store like they'd been claiming. Yo. Um, oh, okay. And again, they're young. Tyler's 22. She's like around the same age. She's a yeah, recent college graduate. They're our age. They're our age. <gasps> and they're like, oh, this like multi-million billion dollar company yeah. is like. It's a scam. It's a scam. <gasps> oh my God. <gasps> oh, that's so crazy. So oh. Tyler uh-huh. goes to his grandfather, George Schultz. Yeah. And tells him the news. Yeah. George was extremely dismissive of Tyler. Yep accused Tyler of being spoiled, of not appreciating a great opportunity, of getting in over his head, of thinking he knew more than he did. Um, They actually stopped speaking. Because of this? Because of this. Tyler and his grandfather stopped speaking. Man. Man. And their relationship never fully recovered. I mean, you know, foresight after this case breaks. Because we know it's not going to end well if it's on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this um, all ends with, and then they changed the world. And then they lived happily ever after. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't think after shitting on my grandson and then him being like, I told you so, would exactly foster a great grandfather-grandson no. relationship. No. But, Because uh, you can understand why both of them were upset. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, um, it sucks to be George. Sucks to be George. Sucks to be George. And it sucks to be Tyler. Oh, yeah. Um, despite his his grandfather being like, you gotta give up, Tyler mm-hmm. did not give up. Let's go, Tyler. <laughs> um, along with Erica, and at just 22 years old, Tyler began became one of the youngest and first whistleblowers against Theranos. The two of them, along with a man named Adam Rosendorf, uh-huh. um, who was a former lab director at Theranos, mm-hmm. um, and a few others... They took the story to a man named John Carreyrou of the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. So after checking his sources and collecting information, Carreyrou prepared the scathing story, which exposed Theranos for all of its shortcomings and for its lies and for not doing what they were promising. Shit. Um, when, Fer- when Theranos found out that the Wall Street Journal was preparing the story, mm-hmm. um, Elizabeth and her team allegedly sent people to stalk and harass the whistleblowers. And threatened severe litigious action against everyone involved. Hmm. And now again, like Erica Chung is like a recent college graduate, does not come from money, mm-hmm. and this billionaire is like sending dogs after her. Yeah, and is Ooh. like, I'm gonna sue you for everything you fucking have. Oh, that is terrifying. Yeah. Oh. Um. However, the story still went public. Mm-hmm. Um, and thus began Theranos' downfall. Yes, let's go. So now Elizabeth adamantly denied all of the allegations. Of course. She called the Wall Street, the Wall Street Journal a tabloid. <laughs> oh, do take <laughs> Which off. Which is like, oh, come Ooh. on. That's like a Trump move. Like, oh. fucking. 
Um, the night that the article was published, Elizabeth went on CNBC's Mad Money, which is that show that like your dad has probably had on the TV where it's like the bald white guy is like yelling about the stock market. Oh, yeah. He's like walking around like a fake like stock trading oh, room. Yeah. And he's, yeah. Um, she went on Mad Money and she said, quote, this is what happens when you work to change things. First, they think you're crazy. Then they fight you. And then all of a sudden you change the world. I don't know about that. One. And now she said this like. This is what happens when you work to change things. Because that's how she talks. Black turtleneck. Yeah, no, she did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Her voice is like five octaves deeper than natural. Nobody understands what it's like to be Steve Jobs. To be a woman. To be a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. So in January of 2016, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services inspected Theranos' lab. Mm -hmm. And they found that the allegations made in the Wall Street Journal were more or less true. Um, they later banned Elizabeth from owning, operating, or directing a blood testing service for two years. <laughs> um, soon after, Walgreens canceled its partnership. There we go. In June of 18, Elizabeth and Sonny, who are now exes, <laughs> um, were indicted on nine counts of wire fraud and two counts of conspiracy to commit fraud. Okay. Both pleaded guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, between her indictment and the verdict, somewhere in there, Elizabeth became engaged to a man named Billy Evans who was a young heir of the family owned of a family owned San Diego hotel chain. Hmm. They were secretly married shortly after meeting and they gave birth to a son in July of 2021. Whoa. <laughs> imagine you're on trial. Like I'm not I'm never here to judge mothers ever. Yep. But imagine you're on trial for like serious fraud allegations yeah. and you're like I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> Baby Theranos carrying on the legacy. I'm not crazy. I have 700 black turtlenecks in a suitcase. (laughs) My voice is suddenly a lot higher than it was. Don't send me to jail. I'm just a woman. (laughs) And there's like videos. There's like one video in particular where she's giving an interview on the phone. Yeah. And she's like... Like, I don't know exactly what she's saying in this interview, yeah. but it starts with her being like, yeah, like, that is really... And then, like, she realizes and she goes like, yeah, that is that... That is that is really interesting. <laughs> like, her voice is literally fake. She forgot to code switch. Yeah, no, fully. She got, like, too hyped <laughs> up for a second. Yep, yep. Um, so on January 3rd, 2022, mm-hmm. Elizabeth was found guilty on three counts of wire fraud and mm-hmm. one count of conspiracy to commit fraud. Yep. Her sentencing is scheduled for this September, so for in a few months, but Ooh. she could face a maximum of 20 years in prison. Damn. Um, so this whole thing just really encapsulates, for me, it really encapsulates all that's wrong with Silicon Valley. Uh-huh. When everything is supposed to happen so fast and you're supposed to grind and you're praised for grinding and lacing up your bootstraps, um, people can get really caught up in that yeah. and try to get things done before everyone else. Yeah. But of course, this doesn't always end well when billions, trillions of dollars are involved and yeah. the pressure is on to get it done first. Yeah. And I think something... I think one of the most notable things here is the is Silicon Silicon Valley's tech roots in the Cold War. In the Cold War, you got to move fast, you got to do better than the competition, and you don't let anything get in the way. 
Mm. It's life or death. You got to go. You got to go and you got to be bigger and better. And Mm -hmm. I think it's sort of the same way today. You're not dealing with military, but Mm -hmm. you got to get done quick no Mm -hmm. matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, In a weird way, I'm like a little empathetic of Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. I feel like she just tried to grow up way too fast and tried to be the biggest and best way too fast. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she kind of had like what I call Billie Eilish syndrome. Go on. Where it's, like, all these young people now. Mm-hmm. I, I say as if I'm, like, old, but <laughs> all these, like, like all, like, the new celebrities currently are, like... Children. 20, or, like, 19 yeah. are children. Yeah. And I think she wanted, she was, like, in that mindset where it's, like, I gotta do it now. If I'm ever gonna do it, if they're ever gonna respect me, especially as a woman, mm-hmm. my most worth I will have when I'm young, and I gotta do it now. Mm. And I think she got caught up in it, but mm-hmm. also I think she's a horrible liar and a bad person. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, <laughs> so I mean, I can empathize because, of course, once you have the weight of all of those people's expectations, so many people that, you know, I'm assuming she highly revered, she trusted, she wanted to be respected by, even if there's nothing there, I'm assuming she's like, I got to pull something out of my ass. Yep. I desperately need these people to support me because maybe if I just simply work hard enough, it'll work. Even though it, it wasn't in the cards from the get-go. Yep. So well, there's no doctors on that board. And yes. <laughs> and hypothetically, I think she, like, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not on the board. <laughs> and I can't speak to whether or not this is, like, feasible or possible. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, you have a good idea. You work really hard on it. You get it going. And eventually, she might have been able, they were genuinely, they were trying to do these things. They mm-hmm. weren't just, like, settling as being a, a fraud. Mm-hmm. They the pressure was just on and the money was on the line and mm-hmm. they had to like fake it till they made it. Yeah. And yeah. they just never made it. Yeah, yeah. They got caught in the faking it stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it yeah. could have hypothetically it all could have gone well. Yeah, you know, maybe if they had, you know, stayed in development for like another ten years instead of like having that board meeting with Walgreens yep. and getting all these really like high profile investors. Way too soon. Way yeah. too soon. You know, maybe they could have like figured something out, you know, like hypothetically five years from now they figure out like some kind of sequencing thing that they can use in the identification of bloodborne illnesses Mm -hmm. but you know not in the cards right now not in the cards back then and you didn't have to like make this huge 800 person company (laughs) you didn't have to do all that you didn't have to do all that you didn't have to do all that put your green juice down (laughs) put on a flannel (laughs) you'll be fine (laughs) speak speak naturally yeah like Uh, breathing exercise break up with your crazy boyfriend please Uh, take a breath of fresh air It'll all happen organically. So I want to end with one quote from Phyllis Gardner, who was that doctor of medicine um, professor at Mm -hmm. Stanford who said that it would be impossible and who uh, the whole way was like trying to expose Theranos as a scam, was not on board for Theranos, did not trust Elizabeth Holmes, never Mm -hmm. bought into the hype. Right. Um, A quote from her after Elizabeth was was indicted. Yeah. Uh, Phyllis Gardner said, quote, I just want her convicted. All I want is her in an orange jumpsuit with a black turtleneck accent. You put people in danger. I don't forgive that. Period. She's a baddie. There's interviews with her online. Girl's Uh a baddie. Girl's like, fuck Elizabeth Holmes. Like, (laughs) she does not hold back. Doctor of medicine for fucking Stanford University? I would hope she's a badass. And she's like on like a Harvard board. Like, she's like, she's, she's good. She's a fucking legend. Yeah, she's fine. What a woman. Yeah, what a woman. What a case. Yeah, that's Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes. Shit, that was a good one. Thank you. Ooh. 
So speaking of scams and bad business practice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's one hell of a story. Lauren has a story for us. <sighs> I do. Well, <sighs> I'm in process of looking for a summer job because I want cash. I desperately want to um, do a couple things. One, <laughs> I want to say cocaine. S- no. Two. <laughs> <laughs> A fursuit. No. <laughs> no. Um, I want... My parents say that I need to get a job. And I do need to get a job because I need to save money because I'm very broke right now and I'm a college student. Secondarily, if that's even a word. Don't, don't. I, <laughs> I really want to get a bunch of tattoos. Yes. I, I do. I've been thinking about this for a really long time, but I don't want to get like a... You know, nothing against stick and pokes. I don't want to get a stick and poke. I don't want to get something you can get for like a hundred bucks in the back of some guy's garage. I want a really fucking nice tattoo. And I want to cover my entire body in them. I don't have the funds to do that right now. But in my hunt to get ink, I have been applying to a bunch of different jobs. Because my sister works at a diner in our hometown. She makes a shitload of money off of tips. Casey's a server. He makes hella tips. I'm cute. I think I could make hella money. (laughs) I could make tips. So I've been trying to apply to restaurant positions because I really want to get that sweet, sweet cash. Um, I recently applied at a local bar in our college town that, um, unbeknownst to me, had a reputation amongst the um, former employees for having really toxic, crazy management. Yeah. Um, but Didn't my, know this at the time. No, 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 not at all. My dad actually knows, like, a family friend who knows a guy who's, like, the owner of the bar. So, he puts in a good word with the owner to get me this interview. And my silly little ass <laughs> walks in there thinking that I, you know, have the job in the bag. Yeah. Because I'm entitled like that, and I think that that... Uh, was gonna help me <laughs> however i came well, in also because sorry because you're very personable and very nice and like I you tr- could easily have a bartending job I, like it wasn't like out of the realm of possibility you know i try i like to think that i am somewhat personable and fun to talk to yes. blah 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 i've worked customer service positions i'm you know yeah I, i'm a little full of myself what can i say well, <laughs> into the restaurant and I'm talking to the manager that's on duty and immediately she's like I'm not supposed to talk to you I'm on the clock I'm like okay sure whatever (laughs) um I'm here for a job interview and the restaurant is empty mind you there's like a couple people sitting at a table in a corner it's quiet it's like six and then what was it it was like 7 30 on like a Tuesday or something it was dead so I'm like, okay, weird, but fine. So I go and I sit in the corner after telling her that I have this job interview scheduled for 7.30, and she kind of gives me a weird look and walks away. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> interesting vibes, but I'm going to sit here, I'm going to drink the little water they gave me, and I'm going to wait. Come to find out that the manager had scheduled multiple interviews that day and had rescheduled with a different person. He thought I rescheduled and had given me the wrong time. So I sit there for like 15 minutes <laughs> and I'm already a little like heaved out because the staff is not being personable to me whatsoever. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying that they need to be, but, well, but like you might be working with them. That's, that, they was could say my, hi. that was my thought, you yeah. know, because it's like, I'm a potential employee. I want to feel out the vibes. If I, you know, jive with the coworkers, maybe, you know, they'll put in a word with the manager that could work out for me. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I've never had a bad experience at this place until I went and applied. Every other time I went there, the staff has been very personable and kind and like really nice, which is why I was so excited about the interview. 
So that is immediately at odds with my first impression. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, this is a little, little funky, a little mm-hmm. weird. I sit at the bar at the, um, the, 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 the manager on duty actually offers. She's like, do you want to sit at the bar? And I'm thinking, oh, cool. The staff wants to speak to me Yeah. <laughs> since the bar is dead and I'm having an interview. No, no. <laughs> not at all. No. They invite me to the bar. I sit there. I sit my water and I like attempt to like make conversation with them. But it's like, you know, I get one word dead responses and then they go off and chit chat in the corner with their coworkers. Very clicky. And, Weird. you know, I'm trying really hard not to like write this off because I'm again thinking to myself, my dad put in a good word for me. I, you know, have this interview. I really want to work here. Everybody has been nice up until this point. So I'm like, hmm, maybe the vibes are just weird for whatever reason. Blah, blah, blah. I wait the 15 minutes. The manager shows up in an enormous red <laughs> truck that is like a lifted Ford F-150, blaring exhaust out the back and strolls in. And I'm like, okay. There awesome. we go. There we it's go. It's this 30-something white guy that already looks like he has way too much dick in his pants. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> yeah. like very strange womanizer vibes right off the get-go. And I'm talking to him about my past work experience. I've worked in a call center, like being personable, chit-chatting, blah, 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 being my usual bubbly self. And we get to a point in the interview after him, like kind of not necessarily being outwardly rude, but just like, you know how when you're speaking to someone, you catch a vibe? Yeah. The vibes were not vibing. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he was yeah. not picking up any of the jokes I was putting down. We were not connecting on a personal level. It just kind of felt like he was sneering down his nose at me and like not really you know enjoying the energy i was putting out there he was like somewhere else already yeah Yeah. so i was trying to ignore that to the best of my ability because you know i'm still trying to get this job so you know i'm laughing at his jokes i'm asking good questions trying to be a good interviewee and we get to a point in the interview where you know i had been talking about my call center experience working the phones blah 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 and he actually goes you know, we have an opening for a position for someone to answer phones at the bar. And me being a stupid woman, I go, oh, really? And he's like, no. And then he laughed at me. Like, (laughs) literally go sit on the railroad tracks. Like, what a dick. I was just so taken aback. I really didn't know what to say or do because I was like, oh, he's... This isn't even an interview anymore. This feels more like a courtesy that was extended to me. And um, now he's making fun of me. Yeah. So that just felt really, really shitty. Yeah. So I finish out the interview. I can, I can tell that I'm not going to get a call back because I'm, you know, trying to ask good questions at the end of the interview. I ask him what his pet peeves are as a manager, which I thought was a pretty That's a good smart question. question. I would like that question. Yeah, yeah. because then, I, you know, if I potentially get hired, I can avoid doing that thing. Yeah. Um, my second question is, you know, when could I expect to hear back from you? Because I'm trying to be proactive. He goes, um, you probably won't. I mean, if you get the job, we'll call you. But if not, you won't hear from us. And I was like, okay, cool. All I'm right. not going to hear from so, you. So I'm not hearing cool. Yeah. So that was uh, my job hunt experience. And then, um, funnily enough, I actually had an interview with a different restaurant two days later. And I immediately got a call back. And they told me I was hired. And so. the difference also I'd like to know <laughs> is this second restaurant <laughs> is like owned by lesbian women yes is like queer friendly yes. is like a safe place very like, welcoming kind of quirky yeah. kind of kooky so immediately already felt more at home i actually made a point to reuse some of the bits that i had used in my previous interview like i made very similar jokes <laughs> i asked the exact same questions because i was thinking to myself it's not me yeah 
and it wasn't. I got the job. Yeah. So. <laughs> and that's a good barometer too to be like, maybe these jokes just aren't landing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I like to I like to think that I'm a funny person. You are. Thank you. You make me laugh. I, I try. I really do. I like to think that I got some good vibes. So having that affirmed at this different restaurant where I will hopefully be starting to work in mid-July was very affirming. Yes. And um, you know what? I, Fuck that uh, first place. Yeah, I, I, I may potentially be having a conversation with the owner to discuss his uh, problem with the management because um, I actually had Casey reach out to a former employee at this place of work I and did. they confirmed that a lot of past employees have had very similar uncomfortable situations with management and with like clicky co-workers. Yes. And, you know... Knowing that the manager is a personal friend of the family, I think it's in his best interest to know that he has a historically toxic management in his uh, yeah. Binghamton location. Would be helpful. So, who knows? And we will not be visiting that place anymore. Unfortunately, That's all I can no. say. I've spent a lot of money on that place. Also, I have a separate story about that. Remember when we got banned? <gasps> yeah! Which yeah. I'm not going to tell, <laughs> I feel, because this episode's definitely already like over <laughs> an hour, but... Um, That'd be the story for another day. They're just, it's a bad place. Yeah, it, I just it don't is. feel good about it anymore. I know. And it's its frustrating too, because like I mentioned, I had never had any bad experiences up until this interview, but then after the fact, and I started putting out feelers being like, you know, what's the vibe? Be honest. And people were immediately like, yeah, I had very poor yeah. personal experiences with management. Like the manager himself made me feel very uncomfortable. He made prior employees feel uncomfortable. They said that it was an extremely clicky work environment. And I was like, you know what? Time to have a conversation. That's affirming. So That's really affirming. It was, absolutely. And to have, like, my first impression of the place immediately be affirmed. Yeah. Because I, at first, thought that I was crazy. Because yeah. I was, like, never never had a bad experience until this thing happened. And then yeah. had an insane, crazy, like, toxic, out-of-left-field experience. So I was like, am I crazy? No. It's no. me. Because a lot of other people feel the same. Surprisingly, so. no. Not me. Not crazy. Well, I think you will be much happier at the place at which you are actually working. I hope so. I know you I will really be. I really do. I know you I, will be. I, I'm excited to be making some money and getting some uh, funds in the tattoo fund. Yes. And some restaurant experience. Yes! So that you can work your way up that ladder a little I, bit. My dream is to transition from working the catering service where I've been employed to bartender. Yeah. I think that would be really fun. Yes. So, I guess we'll see. I don't know. We'll my updates. dream is to get a job where I can get off my feet. <laughs> Sit down. Someday, girl, you are going to be tired of it. <laughs> I've been in a restaurant for six years. Yeah, you got the little gold star. I got the fucking diamond tin. <laughs> and when I tell you that I'm done. Uh-huh. Anyway. uh-huh. I believe it. Love you, lobster. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you guys for watching. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank oh, you for episode for next week. <laughs> okay. We'll revisit. We'll revisit that. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to our episode. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for liking, sharing, rating, doing all that fun social Subscribing, media Subscribing, emailing. Uh, um, send us your worst personal experience with a job interview. Yeah, that's good. That would be fun. We could do a listener write-in episode. That'd be fun. Really? Yeah. So send us shit. Hopefully we'll have enough information for maybe the season finale. Yeah, smart. So send us your shit. Thanks for watching, guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much for watching, for listening. Magnum. Bye. 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 Bye.